0: Years ago, I was sitting in my office at a previous church and it was, it was kind of a stormy time in the life of the church. Uh, some things were, God was shaking some things up and it all ended up good, but you know, it was always a little dicey in the middle. And a woman came into my office, who I would think of as a friend, and she just wandered in and I said, hi, come on in, and she sat down and she proceeded to go through a laundry list of things that I was doing wrong and complaints that she had about me. And so I I listened politely to this and then I got to one where I could no longer sit there. She said to me, I really don't like the fact that you don't have an open door policy so that people can just drop by and see you. And I'm like, okay, I got to stop there. I said, did you make an appointment with me today? She said, no. I said, when you came, was my door open? She said, yeah. I said, when you showed up at my door, did I stop what I was doing and invite you in? She said, yes. I said, and haven't I just sat here and talked to you? And she said, yes. And I said, I don't know what your definition of an open door policy is then. And she looked at me for a minute and went, well, and then she went on to the next thing. And thought thought, she, she didn't listen to anything that I said because she had already made up her mind about what she thought the truth was. And even when she was confronted with the truth, it didn't change her mind. She didn't really care what the truth was. Um, I I was thinking uh, recently, uh, maybe many of you remember the VeggieTales series. VeggieTales had this great episode called Larry Boy and the Rumor Weed. You can still find it, it's on on YouTube. And it's worth watching because it illustrates the the devastation that can happen when people quit listening to the truth and instead begin to listen to rumors. And truth is really at the center of what we're gonna talk about today. We're in a very short sermon series. It's three weeks and we're going to be in the book of 1 Thessalonians and we're going to spend three weeks talking about a couple of the big truths out of the book of Thessalonians. So today we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verses 1 through 13. You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dare to tell you his gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God, who tests our heart. You know we never used flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people not from you or anyone else even though as apostles of christ we could have asserted our authority instead we were like young children among you just as a nursing mother cares for her children so we cared for you because we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of god but our lives as well surely you remember brothers and sisters our toil and hardship And we also thank God continually, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. So a little bit of history. Thessalonians is probably the earliest book in the New Testament. Thessalonica, Thessaloniki now, is in Northern Greece. It was in Macedonia then. And Paul preached the gospel there less than 20 years after Jesus' death and resurrection. You can find this recorded in Acts 16 through 18 uh, during what's called Paul's second missionary journey, although that's written down much later. Um, I think this is particularly interesting, and I wanted to talk about this book with you all, because it being such an early letter, what are the people dealing with? what is paul what is so important that paul has to say in his very first letter to a church what is the apostle paul addressing so that the church can grow and thrive and the gospel be preached and as i read through first thessalonians and you should read the whole book because we aren't going to do it justice i was just struck with how contemporary some of the issues are for us that paul was dealing with only 20 years after the death and resurrection of jesus So we're gonna take three weeks, and these three three weeks could be characterized as truth, transformation, and tangents. And today, we're talking about truth. Paul writes this letter because he's concerned about the Christians in Thessalonica. Why? Because Paul got run out of town. It was kind of the perfect storm. This is a period where Christians are experiencing persecution in Rome. People have gone out preaching the good news about Jesus, and they generally go to the Jews that are scattered throughout the empire, Um, and there's a whole bunch of stuff going on politically that makes this a time just ripe for conflict, and eventually what the Roman authorities settle on is that these people are preaching about another emperor. And so they can't have that, you can't have two Caesars, you can only have one. So they begin to ruthlessly stamp out Christianity because they believe that this Crestus is being set up as to be the true emperor and you can only have one. Now at the same time that that, that's happening in empire, you also have a lot of religious stuff that's going on because you have Jews who realize that the, the church is making inroads among Jewish people, and they're constantly calling people back to that. And then you also have Christians who are divided over just how Jewish you have to be before you can be Christian. So there's all this turmoil that's going on. And so Paul goes to Thessalonica and begins to preach this gospel. He goes into the synagogue, which is where he always starts. He's there for three weeks and eventually they throw him out because they don't like his ideas and they don't want any trouble. And so he goes and he preaches for a couple of weeks, teaches people in the house of a guy named Jason until the civil authorities come in and throw him out because why would they want that trouble? The emperor had just thrown these people out of Rome, they're just gonna be rabble-rousers, and so they get thrown out. So Paul has had a month and a half maybe, maybe once a week, I don't know, to be able to sit with these new followers of Jesus and kind of explain the gospel to them. And so he's really concerned that he hasn't been able to teach them very much. And this is a crisis for Paul because his whole life is about telling people about Jesus, about planting churches, and about giving them tools to withstand the pressures of the culture. And here in Thessalonica, he's only given the new converts the bare minimum of information. There's so much more to talk to them about, so much more to teach them about following Jesus and being a church, and Paul can't come back because the political situation is still too unstable. And so Paul's kind of afraid of the worst. And he thinks about this brand new group of Christians, and he wonders, did they abandon the faith? Have they held on to what I taught them? Did they go back? What's gone on? And so finally what Paul is able to do is he's able to send Timothy, his associate, to find out. And I can only imagine, you know, because there's no FaceTime, there's no phone calls, he's got to literally just go there and come back again. I can only imagine Paul holding his breath, anticipating bad news. Because who would ever imagine that some church that got this little instruction would be able to thrive? And yet, Timothy comes back and tells Paul that the Thessalonian Christians are actually thriving. They're growing in their faith. They've held on to the truth of their faith. And even in the face of persecution, all those governmental pressures, all those religious pressures, even in the face of all that persecution, they are sharing their faith. It's a huge success story where Paul only expected failure. And so the first thing that Paul wants to do is to commend them for how they've held on to the truth. And he's going to talk about two examples of how they've held on to truth. They held on to the truth of the gospel, and they held on to truth instead of listening to rumors. They were able to distinguish between truth and rumors. And I think both of those things are very important things for us to think about right now. And even to ask ourselves the question, in our current political climate, in our current social climate, are we clinging to the truth of the gospel? Or have we abandoned that for something else in our current political climate in our current religious climate are we listening to rumors or even spreading rumors or are we listening to the truth instead now in chapter one and in chapter four paul spends more time addressing their faithfulness to the gospel but he picks up it picks up on it in verse 13 here And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as a human word, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is indeed at work in you who believe. A couple of observations about that. They didn't know everything. Obviously, they had, what, six weeks. But they knew enough, and they acted on it. I know sometimes we feel like we don't have enough information we don't know enough about the bible we're not close enough to god we don't know how to pray and there's all kinds of stuff that can get in the way of us connecting with god because we think we don't have enough yet and this is just this great example of take what you've got and run with that and you can always add to more of it later they didn't know everything but they knew enough and they acted on it and it cost them something but they acted on it anyway. It wasn't easy to be a Christian at that time, and in sometimes in places around here, it's not easy to be a Christian either. They had to say, I am for this, I'm not for that, and then let the chips fall where they may. They didn't withdraw into a holy huddle or a foxhole. They lived their lives for God, but then they focused their lives outward. And they did this at a time where the government didn't like the church. The church had no political advantages and every disadvantage, and yet their faith grew as individuals and the faith spread to other people. I don't know if it's right to say that the church was apolitical, and it certainly wasn't apolitical in the sense that many of us use that term today in that we don't want the church to say anything political, particularly if it's something that we disagree with, or that the church should only concern itself with spiritual matters although the Bible doesn't know anything about spiritual matters that don't affect physical, emotional, or psychological matters. One always informs the other. So I don't know it's so much that they were apolitical. It's more like the church let the government do its thing and didn't spend a whole lot of time being concerned about uh, partisan politics. Christians followed Jesus at great personal cost because they found life and hope in him a life and hope and a joy that wasn't present in other places in their lives or available from other sources. And that's what they focused on. They kind of let the government do its thing. The Thessalonians were acting on the truth of the gospel that had been revealed to them. And truth always has to be acted on, or it's not true for you. Especially in this crazy time. It's more important than ever that we live our lives in response to the truth of the gospel and that that truth finds its way in us. I'm talking to a lot of people and I I certainly understand this because we've all been kind of cooped up at the same level and now we've kind of got this Delta variant which is crazy again. So I'm talking to a lot of people who who have really made a priority out of self-care. And what I wanna plead with you is that you will make spiritual disciplines a part of your self-care. Because if self-care is going to be hungry, it has to be more than drinking too much and going to exotic locations. Self-care that is godly is about helping you to be a whole person at peace with yourself and at peace with people around you. Self-care is about making sure that your life is on mission and your priorities are straight. Self-care is not just about emptying yourself of stressful situations or your children. It's about filling yourself up with God. Self-care pays attention to the inward in order to turn outward toward God and other people. Self-care doesn't just turn inward. That might've come across as a rant, it kind of was. But Paul repeatedly emphasizes That they need to live in response to the truth of the gospel of god and they've done that so he commends them for it now i absolutely believe that some truth is situational that some things are true for me and they might not be true for you but i also absolutely believe that there is absolute truth truth that is always true no matter what and the bedrock truths of the christian faith Are about who God is and who we are in light of who God is. It is true that God loves you. It is true that you have worth and that you have value. It is true that God is not mad at you. It is true that God wants to make great things out of your life and give you a purpose in life, particularly working for what God is doing in the world. It is also true that as followers of Jesus, we have more responsibilities than we have rights. It's true that God is with the brokenhearted and with the people who are poor or who suffer. It is true that what is expedient is not necessarily right. It is true that the ends do not justify the means. It is not so much that truth is a list that we memorize as much as it is a person that we follow, because Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want to know what's true, look at Jesus. What did Jesus reveal about God? What did Jesus reveal about how we should treat people? What did Jesus reveal about what was important? That's truth. Uh, years ago, there were these WWJD bracelets, and it was a little simplistic, and it was a little easy to make fun of people who did that. Um, But it wasn't all bad. I don't think it's a bad idea at all to look in every situation and filter that through what we know about Jesus, because the truth is always revealed in Jesus. So we can ask, and we should ask, as we live our lives, as we have our discussions, as we set priorities, as we spend our money, as we share our opinions, as we post on social media. With this, am I being true to the gospel? Am I following the truth that I find in Jesus? The Thessalonians paid attention to the truth of the gospel. They also paid attention to the truth instead of to rumors. And Paul gets it at this in the middle of the passage that we looked at in verse three, for the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people, but God who tests our heart. You know we never used flattery, nor do we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Paul is addressing things that he's been accused of. Oh religion is all a scam those people are only interested in your money they're just using you they're just gonna cause trouble a little religion is a good thing but you can have too much. i mean just think about all of the things that probably got thrown at the apostle paul or maybe has been thrown at you by family members at thanksgiving or maybe even things you've thought about other people I- I- every era has had people who were scammers. Every era has had people who give Christianity a bad name. I mean, that is true. But Paul won't let them just fall into caricatures about religious people. Paul over and over says, you know, you know, you know, you saw, you remember, you will recall, instead of just letting them listen to these rumors about what people are saying, he reminds them of the truth that they were experiencing. You heard this rumor, but you know it's not true because you saw what was true. And Paul had been run out of town. Popular opinion had turned against him. And so he is reminding them